Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. We have merch. Check out the AmericanGlutton.net shop. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and more. A number of people have come up to me wearing American Glutton merch, and nothing fills my heart with more pride than seeing somebody in one of these t-shirts. And I've been stopped on the street and asked where to get it when somebody sees me in an American Glutton hoodie. Well, you can get it all at the shop on AmericanGlutton.net. And my favorite t-shirt, yesterday it was tomorrow, right now, is up now. Get it while supplies last. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. My guest today is Oshin Mulligan. He is a fitness coach. You can find him on Instagram at Mulligan's Fitness. Oshin Mulligan, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. What is the story, Ethan? How are we? <laughs> Dude, okay, let's uh let's just um I get yelled at sometimes. Oh, I get yelled at sometimes for on my podcast and people leave nasty notes sometimes about my language. I like the word fuck. I really do. <laughs> and I want to just say that you are from Ireland, correct? I'm correct, right? Yes, Ireland. Yes, yes. And you guys over there have another wonderful word, which we're going to get yelled at for, which is <laughs> a beautiful word, which you use, I think, slightly differently than we do. And that wonderful yes. word is cunt. And yes. sorry to everybody who just listened to this and, and felt anything but pure joy at hearing it. Oshin. When you say fuck off cunts to people, it makes me so happy. Like your fucking <laughs> videos and like 
just like if you can't take the language, turn it off. We're going to yeah. swear, right? For sure. I always get like I, I get a lot of shit from my videos as well when I'm saying like fucking cunt. In Ireland, it's more of an endearing thing. Like there is still people that obviously don't like it. But uh, if you're taking offense to words in the English language and you're taking it that much to heart, honest to God, you're going to have a tough life out there. So just leave me alone. I, if I didn't make the videos that the way I am, I wouldn't make them like I just wouldn't have any videos. Or I wouldn't be out there helping people out. So fuck that. Yeah, exactly. And you and so there is an endearing like you could say to somebody, he's a good fucking cunt. And it would be yeah. nice. Yeah. Okay. So good. So it's not all fucking bad. And, and we're not oh. saying mean things. And by the way, it's not even a gendered word. Lots of lots. Yeah. Half the time you're talking about dudes or maybe even more of the time you're talking about dudes and they're fucking cunts sometimes, or they're fucking yeah. good fucking cunts, you know? So like, <laughs> but I just want to say like the first video of yours I saw, it just was so great, man. And it made me so happy because it was just like cutting through the bullshit and like, this is fat, this is water, this is this, and don't be a cunt. And and like, I loved it. And I love your energy and your message. And I'm so excited to talk to you. Sick, Ethan. Lots of people kind of come to me and be like, oh, you're a little bit different in person. Like, I get that quite a bit. Like, you're a little bit more calm. But the reason is, is because when you've been through a weight loss journey and you've been through all of these fads and all these certain things, you kind of get a little bit angry at all the misinformation that you're seeing. So when I'm sitting down and clicking record, instantly what goes back is to Ushin when he was 130 kilos. That's the mindset that I have and all the things that he went through. So I get that little bit more frustrated. I get that little bit more angry and hyped up. So when I sit down in front of the camera, that's actually me when I'm arguing my point and trying to get the message across. So if I come back, I come across a little bit camera, it's because I'm in the presence of someone who doesn't bullshit people. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's wonderful. There's, you know, there's a lot of bullshit out there, but I was reading today, there was a really great article on supplements and it was basically saying like, stop looking for a magic bullet. And the guy referred to, uh, I believe it was a 2011 study in Taiwan where they took a group of people and they split them in half and to half of them, they gave this, what they said was a multivitamin. It was just placebo. And the other half, they said, this is just placebo. You're not taking anything, but we're going to take this pill that's going to do nothing for yeah. you and let's monitor you and what they found was the half that um was taking what they thought to be a multivitamin it had it had this effect where they were less mindful about other health outcomes like they they opted more often to take an escalator than the stairs or take an elevator. They were more likely to continue smoking. Like there were a lot of kind of downhill effects because they thought, well, I'm making up for everything by taking this multivitamin and now I'm safe. I don't have to worry about anything else. So to me, like I, I don't take multi, I don't take vitamins really. I take creatine every day, but I don't take really anything else. Creatine and whey, whey yeah. protein. That's those are my supplements. Um, but this, I believe, is happening in diet culture, too, where you'll see somebody who will get on this diet and they believe that that is going to take care of everything. And, you know, quite often it's a diet which isn't even going to get them the results that the diet is purporting to get them. But then suddenly everything else goes out the window because I'm not eating bread anymore. So now I don't have to worry about moving my body. Now I don't have to worry about getting enough protein. Now I don't have to worry about anything. It can all go out the window and I can relax because I don't eat bread. Is that something you're seeing happening? Like, does that make sense to you? 
Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. So actually similar enough to the supplement thing that you've seen there. So in college, when I did sports science, we'd be talked through that if someone is taking something and they perceive it to be good, even though there is no benefits to it, to just leave them off because sometimes they actually can get benefits to it. But what you're saying there makes sense with people avoiding health-seeking behaviors because they have an excuse that I'm taking this pill anyway. So that's going to solve my problem. So I think that that is a huge uh, issue. There's also more scientific research out there. I think it was on Amazon, the top 30 supplements were taken and tested. And I don't know the exact figures, but a certain percentage of them didn't even have what it said it was advertising right. as in the tub. And it, and I think it was another certain percentage of them, like a high percentage, like we're looking at like over 50% of them had things that weren't listed on the label in the supplement as well. So supplement industry in a lot of places isn't regulated as much as it should be. And that's where it is dangerous. I agree with taking creatine 110%. That's proven that's studied. But I think when it comes to multivitamins, there's still a lot there as well. Um, and unless recommended by a doctor, I wouldn't say that you have to go out and take them. Again, when it comes to stuff like this, Ethan, like you probably know from being overweight before, any opportunity or any way out that you could have taken, you would have taken. If someone yeah. was in front of you and be like, this is the solution, it's very easy to sell that. And when money is involved, people will sell anything that's why i don't take sponsorships on my instagram i don't do any of that because it will start to taint taint my word and taint things that i do say that people can't kind of say that what i'm saying is wrong because i have no financial benefit to trying to sell you something or point you in the right direction and when it comes to the the supplement industry i think it is that dangling the carrot in front of the person to make them feel like oh that's your solution you can take this and what i really dislike about it is if you went to a doctor and i think like um i i just think this is outrageous if you went to a doctor and the doctor gave you wrong advice or wrong medicine or wrong thing for your your thing just to make a bit of money they'd probably end up sued they'd probably end up thrown in prison when it comes to fitness nutrition and exercise which is essentially your first line of barrier for our health it's actually in scientific research referred to as medicine exercise and, and nutrition so why isn't it looked at the same we're getting all this false information online and, and getting people selling supplements and different diet or behaviors as the best thing ever when it's actually not the case and they're only doing that for the money aspect and that's what really really gets me really annoys me because it's not taken seriously like a lot of people wouldn't take their health and nutrition seriously and people seeing videos online is like oh this guy is just making videos online making up things about supplements it's not that big of a deal it's not that big of a deal but actually it is and it's becoming so much of a big of a deal i think that eventually if not already because it's less talked about eating disorders are going to surpass obesity for issues whether it be body image disorders that are leading to eating disorders because of the culture of going around calling people fat thinking that that's going to motivate them and stuff but also when it comes to the selling and sale of supplements and diets and that this is the best diet behavior which is quite erratic a lot of the time most of them because the more outrageous a diet that you can go up with the more people that are going to buy into it because it's different than what i heard before meanwhile if i said to you even myself and and I love that we've been in a similar situation before because a lot of people don't get this of having had a lot of weight on is that if back then someone came up with a random name to tell me, oh, this is the diet, I would have taken it because it's something I haven't heard before. But if someone told me to eat slightly less calories, move around slightly more, I'd have been like, no, that can't be it because that's too simple. And right. it's so fucking funny. Yeah, it's it's, it's bizarre, man. Um, I it, it is simultaneously so simple and then it gets so complex. Like we can make it so complex yeah. and... And it, it, you know, it's just one of those things like I, I would rather have a silver bullet. I would rather have a get rich quick scheme. Just tell me one yeah. thing I can do to change. And it's like, OK, you know, eat more protein. That's one thing you can do to change. But you're not going to you're got you're not going to necessarily lose 50, 100 pounds by just yeah. eating more protein. Like there's a lot more to it. Um, yeah. And likewise, and think, yeah, quit bread and see what happens. Maybe you'll feel better. But like, I doubt that you're going to yeah. achieve all of your uh, health and fitness goals by stopping eating bread. 
Yeah, and I think like for us as well, like for a lot of people, people don't realize that I don't I don't actually think food is the biggest issue. Feelings and or a story that we tell ourselves is a bigger issue. And this leads into placebo as well. Very, very similar. I've seen Tony Robbins talk about this in a podcast recently where he told, I don't know if you've seen it, Theo Vaughn. He told Theo Vaughn, look around the room. He said, look around the room and tell me how many red objects you see. And Theo Vaughn went around looking at all the red objects in the room. And then Tony Robbins goes, how many brown objects are there? Or what other? You couldn't see anything else. So when it leads to weight loss and trying to lose weight and trying to be healthy. It's actually the way we look at things that is different. So being told a story that you're fat, you're overweight, whether that be someone actually saying it to you or whether you're in school or whether if you're taking sports and you're just not good enough because you have this weight, fat is an easy thing to blame. So it's instantly, I'm fat, I'm overweight on this. And so then the placebo in our head comes to everything that we do, it reinforces that thing that I'm fat. And that's why people keep giving up on things. That's why people don't take steps forward. I don't think it's necessarily because everybody knows about nutrition, high protein. Nowadays, that information is out there. They're searching for something else because they think it's more complicated, but it's actually related to the mindset side of things. So when it comes to the mindset surrounding weight loss and stuff, it's that belief that we're fat that is actually holding most people back. Because every time we take one step wrong, we're looking at the red bricks every time. Even if we have all the positives in the world, we look for the red bricks because that's the story we've been told. And the story we've been told is that we're fat. So I'll point out everything in life that's telling me I'm fat and I'll just give up. So say, for example, what I use with, with people that I work with is the example of Floyd Mayweather. I have a perfect picture of Floyd Mayweather sitting down and eating a burger. Floyd Mayweather is sitting down and eating a burger. Does he think, oh, I'm fat, I'm lazy, I'm overweight and give it all up because of that? No, because he has been brought up with confidence and he's been brought up as an athlete and that's his self-image. But most of our self-image for people who've struggled with weight or whatever it might be in life, it might be anything that you're telling yourself the story of. You see, you sit down and eat a burger and instantly it's, I'm fat, I'm lazy and I give up. And then there's no getting back at And then we build a massive hill that we have to get over the next day. So the next day when we're trying to get back on track or move back forward with things, it's instantly harder to get back because we're sat down here and be like, oh, I messed up yesterday. I fucked up. I'm a fat cunt and all this sort of stuff. It makes it so much harder. So it's actually that's the, that's the issue with most people. It's not really the dietary issues will change over time. People know that and it's easy to implement those, but it's keeping it up over a long period of time that most people struggle with. Yeah, no, that I mean, that resonates so much with me and it, and it's almost a it's kind of a very difficult thing to think your way out of, right? You know, because it's been yeah. so reinforced. You know, this is like one of those things where like our reality is shaped by the stories we tell ourselves and the stories that are proven true to us every day because of the story. So it's like all kind of reinforces itself and you're living in this world. And it's like most of that isn't objectively true. It's just your faith and belief and and the way you're looking at it, you know, and I think, yeah, that that exactly what you're talking about was uh, very hard for me to do because I, too, for 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 a long time, if I, you know, would get on a plane and I didn't bring food and then I'm trying to like, you know, just going like, well, I'm going to eat nothing. I'll just drink a lot of water and then I get a layover somewhere and I'm sitting in this random airport and then it's like I'm starving. I'm stressed out. I got to eat something. So I eat something off my plan. And then it's like, well, the next months could be shot. I, it could take me yeah. like I'm just going to disappear into the amnesia of of debauchery with food and 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 wake up one day having had enough again, which was the cycle I would be on. Yeah. And I think that's so tough. And like 
that plays such a massive role in so many parts of my journey. Only like two years ago, I was in a really, really bad height space, really, really poor mental health. And I told, I kept telling myself this story because the more that we tell ourselves different stories, the harder it is to get out of. And then it's hard to break that routine. But the story that I was telling myself is I couldn't even leave my bedroom. I got to the point where I was so anxious. I was so nervous. I was telling myself I was depressed. I was telling myself I was so anxious. The point where I couldn't leave my bedroom. I remember trying to go to the cinema, having a panic attack um, and everything in life just seemed to be going shit just in the last year from trying to switch that story. And as you said, like we have to build this evidence to prove to ourselves we are this person. Even this podcast, if you told me to come on this podcast two years ago, I would have said, fuck off, not a hope. I couldn't I couldn't turn on a camera to look at myself. I post videos every single day. The Instagram now is completely different, but it's by building up small wins. And it's the same when it comes to weight losses, building up these small little steps to eventually prove to ourselves we are this person. And this is why I simplify it. This is why all my videos try and simplify weight loss to the bare basics. Because if I can get someone to the basics consistently, it's not about weight loss. It's not about losing weight. It's about building that self-confidence, that self-worth and that self-esteem that I do the things that I say I can. I do the things that I say on a daily basis. Then you start to build that self-confidence. Then you're no longer that fat, lazy person that people have called you before things are proven to you because you're starting to do the things each day. It's why cold exposure, I think, has become so huge over the last while because it's something difficult to get into a bath and do it. And to do it, you're following through on what you say. Because I think a lot of people fall into the trap of the scales. And this relates back to that self-esteem as well is because Everybody thinks if I'm fat, I'm lazy. Surely that means a lower number of the scales means I'm better and I'm a better human being. And it's not actually the case. And some people that would jump on a weight loss program would be like, I'm going to feel happier and fit at the end of this. You're not feeling happier and fit really for the fact that the scales are going down, maybe for the first percentage. But the majority of the reason you're actually feeling better in yourself, happier in yourself, more self-confident is because you've stuck to something for a period of time. You've done something that you've told yourself you could do. And most people don't succeed at that because the thing they're trying to do is too fucking hard. Trying to cut out all carbohydrates in your diet for most people who are having every single thing within their diet, whether it be chocolate, sweets, crisps for every single meal, that's too big of a step. That's fucking impossible. Matter of fact, I actually don't think that that's best for health outcomes anyways. It's probably the opposite for 90% of people. I won't say fucking and cutting on here. There'll be people very annoyed at me. But what it comes to is trying to build that evidence that you are this person. And this is where it's not about food. For the majority of people, it's about the mindset behind food. And then food follows along because most people understand every single fucking cunt listening to this podcast has seen a food pyramid. Tell me you haven't. Everybody yeah. has seen it. Everybody understands it. It's basic. What we need to do is build that mindset in behind. And that's why I'm so passionate because I think a lot of the fitness industry and, and people outside of it have it wrong. Because a lot of people eat like shit because they're feeling like shit. Not for the reasons of that I just want to overeat on certain foods. It's the same as when it comes to drug and alcohol addiction. For some people, they're using it to cope with emotions. Some people use food. And actually, I would say the vast majority of people to do. Because I actually don't know as much about the obesity, obesity pandemic. I don't know if I would say that. I would think it's a stress pandemic for most people. Stress with day-to-day lives, stress with so much shit going on, stress with having kids at home, not knowing how to deal with it. Most people have never gone to therapy before in their lives. I think it's one of the best things ever. I think it's actually one of the reasons why I lost weight. And I think for the majority of people who lose weight and keep it off, therapy is an essential step in that, more so than even fat loss coaching. And I'm not a therapist, so I can't fucking sell you that either. But I think that that's what most people should try and aim towards. Um, as you can tell, I get quite passionate and go off on tangents, so I apologize. <laughs> no, I love it. I love the passion. I love it. Good tangent too. How small, like to, uh, you, you know, I, I, I've talked before about not having faith in myself of anything and and feeling like, completely incapable and and there there would be days where i had to remind myself that i could tie my shoes simply because that was something i was sure of i am sure i can do this i am sure i can brush my teeth i'm sure i can tie my shoes and and that's really small right that that position of power like i am i am capable of something because the voices in the head are 
resonate so much with the, the nothing. You are a failure. You are worthless. How small would you go in talking about building those wins to get a person yeah. confident, to get them able? Um, because I think brushing your teeth is pretty small. Most of us as adults can can pull yeah. that off um, consistently, hopefully. Yeah. But like if you're if you were talking to one of your clients and saying like giving them ideas of how to build these wins, where do you start? I think there's a great thing and I only came across so there's there's two things, right? So and I took these from another coach. I'm gonna say who it is, Lewis Potts. He's an absolute genius when it comes to this sort of stuff. Um and there's another guy, Dan Morgan, that's helps out with mindset stuff. But there's two things. No zero days is one. So what I want you to do is get out a calendar or anything, maybe a piece of paper, write out all the tasks on a daily basis that you're finding difficult or hard or that align with your goals. And for some people that might be, if you're really going through a mental health streak, even getting up and having a shower. I remember when I was in a really bad hot space, I couldn't even leave my room. It was like, fuck, it was so difficult for me to even open up the blinds. If that's the case, let's start with where you're at and slowly build up. Even if it seems small and stupid, I say to people, widen the runway. So if we have a runway and we have to land on a little tiny back road in, in a country road, we're going to crash the plane. If we widen runway and open up it up like JFK airport and we're going to land that plane on there, it's a little bit fucking easier. So let's start with that. Widen the runway, have minimum and maximum goals. Have minimum goals being the bare minimum of I'm going to get outside for five minutes. I'm going to try and eat one piece of protein today. I'm going to try and eat one piece of fruit today. Draw that all out in your calendar and you're not allowed to go to sleep until you have one point on the board because that's all we have to do is score one point every single fucking day. Because if we score one point every single day, that's proven to ourselves that I can score a point. Then eventually you're going to start scoring two points and then you're going to start scoring three times points. And it kind of gamifies the whole aspect. And then with things that you're really struggling with, there's a model called the grow model. Absolutely fucking brilliant as well. Essentially what you do is with your goal, you draw it in a box onto the left hand side of what you want to achieve. So it might be you want to achieve 8,000 steps in a day. Your current status, you'll put beside it and you'll write 6,000 steps in a day. Then just below that, you write out all of the obstacles or the things that are stopping you from getting up to the 8,000 steps. So for some people, that might be time. For some people, that might be um, work. That's For some people, that might be my kids. For some people, that might be my energy levels. Okay, so you have all your obstacles written out. What I want you to do is go option one, option two, option three, and list underneath each of them steps that you can overcome those obstacles to achieve. So list you can list anywhere from three to six options, okay? So your three to six options, then what you're going to do is choose one for the way forward. So you have an option of six, you choose one. You choose the one that's the least pain in your ass to do. And if you don't do that one that's the least pain in your ass to do, you're going to choose another box the next week and be like, okay, I'm going to try this. So there's no failure in that because the majority of people that struggle with sticking to anything, like even with a podcast, if you went on your first podcast and you did it with someone and you messed up your words and your intro was fucked or like you said whatever was going on, anything, you showed up late, anything at all, you would you give up the next episode? You wouldn't be like, no, fuck that. Instead, you learn from that. You'd be like, okay, that's not going to happen again. What options do I have to make sure that doesn't happen again? I'm going to make sure that I maybe have a little bit of a script or I have an idea of who it is. So for weight loss, it might be, I keep eating overeating at the weekends. Let's go back and wonder why I'm overeating at the weekends and get a couple of options of how I can overcome that. Then what you're going to do is learn instead of give up because most people give up because they don't want to look at failure. Everybody hates failure, but failure is actually a sign of progress because we're doing things that we haven't done before. Learn from that and that's where progress is. One thing though, you're always going to face the failure again. So just because you've made progress from it doesn't mean that it's overcome and that it's something it's going to face it again. Let's choose another option and see what we're going to have. So essentially what we're doing is giving ourselves paths. So that say I want to climb a mountain and I'm going up Mount Everest and I climb up it and there's an avalanche on one side of it. I'm like, oh sure, fuck it, I'll just go home. I'm after paying hundreds of thousands to get over here to try and climb Everest. No, you don't. It's like, okay, can we choose a different path and maybe wait here for a little while? That's what everybody should do. But we're in a scenario where 
people are made to feel like failures and whether that be from the story inside their heads that they're always telling themselves or have been told through childhood or whatever it might be, that that's where most of it is going wrong. So there would be the two tips, the role model, um, your uh, no zero days and then reflection instead of giving up because the only way that you fail in this, and I used to hear it all the time when I was overweight, the only way you're going to fail is if you give up. And I was like, that's a load of bollocks. No, I'm shit at this. I can't fucking do this. I'm useless. But it actually is because... Next day, even if I fucked up the previous day, it was just, okay, let's get up and go for a walk. Let's see what I can do today. Because there might be people here being like, oh, I have this problem, I have this problem, I can't do this. It's like, okay, we're looking at all the problems here. Not a bad thing because everybody has them. And okay, that's perfectly okay to acknowledge for maybe people who have PCOS or whatever other things that might harm weight loss a little bit or make it a little more difficult. But let's, instead of looking at all the problems that are holding us back, let's look at all the solutions that we have. Because instead of looking at the problems, if we just reframe it and start looking at all the things we can do, even if this is holding us back, it's not holding us back as much if we just look at that the whole time. And again, that's like, it all comes down to the mindset. That's why I'm so like, holy shit, there's more to this than what's out there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. And when, when you talk about failure, I used to be stuck in this trap of failure would just breed more failure. And I like to make game plans for stuff. And I, and I can look at my past experiences and go like, okay, well, if I'm in that situation again, what can I do differently, which is similar. Looking for solutions is super helpful Sick. to me. And then recognizing that there are going to be situations that I can't plan for, that I can't game plan, that I can't think through. Thinking through is very helpful to me. And when I hit that situation, if I miraculously succeed, good, then I have an option to think through in the future. And if I fail, good, because now I have a way to at least go through it. I have the experience now um yeah. to go like this is what happened this was an outcome i didn't like what are some options for the future if this arises again i think that's very yeah. very smart what you're talking about yeah because you're not you're never perfect you're never perfect the first time the first time like i think i have on my phone i actually scroll back because I, I did a little bit of a a talk before and i wanted to find what my first progress picture was so i looked at it and i think i counted all the rest so i took my first ever progress picture and then i called the rest of them start again photos so i took like one million and one start again photos at the end of that i loaded them but the main thing is and i look back at it and i was like it wasn't necessarily a bad thing because every time i made a mistake i learned from it i learned that maybe uh i won't call out any fucking things back here i'll get us all in trouble but the diets that i was doing are different things i learned okay that's not for me or maybe that doesn't work and eventually by doing that it wasn't necessarily a bad thing and that's why i want to instill the knowledge in people so they don't have to make all those mistakes but i was happy looking back at all the start again photos because they've led me to where i am now and if people that are in that situation instead of looking at the start again photos oh shit i'm bad i can't do this look at it like okay, that's a lesson learned. Let's take a step forward again. Let's let's see if we can get a little bit further this time and push on. Because I think most people are stuck in that. I think it actually comes from school. And, and this is something that I've been thinking the last little while. Going into maths class, right? Every time I go into maths class, my maths teacher will be like, you're stupid. You can't do this. You're useless. You're bad. Every test that I get back was X's and ticks and percentages and 50% and 60%. But when it comes to life, it's not like that. And I think that, that we're so ingrained that you're either good, you pass the test, or you're bad that you fail the test in every aspect because that's what we were taught in school. And so it applies to everything then going forward. And that always comes to mind with me. And it's actually part of the reason why I, I nearly even didn't start weight loss or didn't do anything is the same as when it comes to maths class. Every time I go in, my teacher would be like, you're shit, you can't do this. And off the back of that, I never wanted to do it. So I was like, I'm just, every time now, if you ask me to add fucking 20 and something else, I wouldn't be able to do it because I just, I used to hate maths. And when it came to the weight loss aspect, the same thing happened because instead of being maths, it was people calling me fat, people calling me lazy, people telling me I'm useless, people doing all this sorts of stuff. 
that that bullying and that constant berating and this is why i always get asked a question about fat acceptance and all this sort of stuff i'm on the side of okay let that person do what they want to do and try and support them in a positive change because all those times that people called me fat all those times that people called me useless all those times that people called me lazy i remember specifically on one time on my way home from school on the bus um some guy went from the back of the bus to the front of the bus just to sit beside me to tell me how fat and useless and fucking lazy I was the whole way home to the point where I had to get my mom. I got off the bus at the next stop and had to get my mom to drive and come pick me up because I was so kind of disheartened with it. That shit never once gave me the confidence to go and stand up and go to the gym. That shit never gave me the confidence and self-belief and self-worth to actually want to look after myself. And that's what held me back for so long. The point in which that changed and the point in which I st- stopped taking start again photos was the point in which my brother came into this exact bedroom with me sat me down and was like, Ushin, look, if you keep going the way you're going to go, you're probably going to get to a point where you're not going to be able to walk around very much. You're probably going to be limited and it's going to be even harder for you to lose weight. Why don't you just come to the gym with me and my best friend? And I don't know if you've an older brother or anyone else listening to this does. You look up to your older brother like they're the coolest fucking person on the planet. You're like, this guy is so cool. You do anything that he's doing. If I seen him smoking cigarettes, I probably would have started smoking cigarettes because he's cool. But the thing was, he supported me and asked me what I go to the gym with his friend. I started going with him. Not once did he ever call me fat. Matter of fact, instead of calling me fat, make me feel useless and lazy, he came to me and he spoke to me and he, every single time he made me feel like a human being. Every time I'd overeat or have a takeaway, like, Ocean, you're a normal human being. Everybody does that. Whenever I'd have have my birthday party and I'd overeat maybe a bit of cake or ice cream. Uh, uh, Ushin, that's okay. You're a human being. I remember I used to hide eating ice cream because all I was ever told was I was fat and lazy. So I just took the top of ice cream, brought it up to my room and eat. used to fuck it back down into the bin so nobody else would see it. Instead of doing that then, I didn't care because I was made feel like a human being. So it left me in a point where I wasn't ashamed of myself and I could take steps forward. Again, another rant, but I think it's so, so important to touch on all of these topics because Weight loss is so complex and people have it wrong. People have that thing of if I call people fat and I'm shaming them or I'm saying things to them like this, it's going to help. It is not going to help. And it's that thing if you want to make the person feel good so they have a platform to stand off. My therapist would often explain it as a wall. Imagine, uh, Ethan, if I asked you to stand up on a wall, right? And the wall was made with just like the walls in Ireland that you probably all have a picture of. All these walls that are just stones fucked on it and very unsteady. It's very hard for you to jump off that wall because it's not steady. It's not stable. But if I built a nice little strong wide wall that's self-confidence, self-worth and has loads of belief in itself, is it easy to jump off that wall and not, not hurt yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. That's what we need to do with people rather than shame them and make them more of an unsteady of a wall. Yeah, my my experience was very similar to yours where... I, I had no confidence. I, del- I I think I'd lost 150 pounds before I stepped foot in a gym. And I only wow. went to the gym because my wife, uh, without telling me, bought me a package with a personal trainer and then told me how much she'd spent and that it was non-refundable. And if I didn't show up, I was throwing that money away. And then even then she had to go with me, like walk me to my appointment and then wait in the car. And it being at the gym at the time for me was mortifying. It's such a strange, hard headspace to put myself in because now I'm in the gym six six days a week. But even today, I travel a lot and I I go to the gym every day. But the first day in the gym and and sometimes at hotels, you walk into a gym and it's empty and I'm totally calm. And sometimes you walk in and there's a bunch of random strangers in there that you don't say hi to every day. And it's like, I just want to be hidden in the back doing something that nobody can see because I'm embarrassed to be there because what right do I have to be in the gym? I'm still a fat guy, which is insane. It's completely insane. Yeah. But uh, that... Conf- I think that's super powerful. 
that you just said they're super powerful for everyone. And I sorry for interrupting you, but the no. reason I want to highlight that that's super powerful for everyone because Ethan, people would look up to you as this person who was an actor, this person who has lost a significant amount of weight. I would look up to you as a person who has been on Joe Rogan and I used to always watch your TV show back in the day. For you to say that you are unconfident in certain situations makes everybody feel like a human being and you like a human being. And that's so fucking powerful for people that maybe sat at home being like, I feel really anxious when I go to gym. I can't do certain things. You quite literally have an actor here, someone who's been super successful, still feeling the exact same way. And it's like, that's okay to feel like that. What's not okay is running away from it or, or retrieving and trying to step yourself out of your comfort zone. And as you said, like when you first went to the gym, you were in that exact same situation and it's taking you step by step. So it's achievable. If you can do it, other people can do it. And that's what you make. And so many people like... I would speak to, to a good few people online that have millions of followers or whatever. And like, even speaking to you here today, when I sat down, I'm like, holy fuck, I'm like, this is this is a little bit mental. When it comes to this, so many people would see you as this person that's up here and that the things that he's achieved and things that he's done or the weight that he's lost, I can't do that. When you absolutely can. We're all human beings. So thank you so much for putting that forward. And like, I think that that's super, super powerful for people that maybe are struggling. Yeah, no. And I mean, that's the truth. You know, the other thing, that I think is um, not super prevalent in the conversation that is taking place in the diet space is that um, there's this idea that once we lose weight, all of that stuff that we're carrying around because of being overweight, because the stories we're telling ourselves that those are going to disappear. They didn't disappear yeah. for me, you know, and I've yeah. I've been thinner than I am that I am today. I've been more muscular than I am today. No, and at no point did they disappear. They're still there. They're there. They become more manageable. I've got ways to deal with them now. I've become better at pushing through my own bullshit, but the bullshit's still there. I'm still look in the mirror quite often and feel very shameful about how I look all, all the time. Yeah. I still go to these gyms. The gym I go to at my house when I go to the gym every day, I'm comfortable. I can say hi to half the people there. I know their names. I'm like, it's like, it's like an extension of my house. Yeah. It's good. Going, going to a new gym where I don't know anybody there and it's the first day of school and I'm like embarrassed that I'm going to do something stupid in front of them or look like a moron. I, I, I have every and I'm in the gym every day. I go to the gym six days a week for yeah. many, many, many years. It's, it just doesn't go away, but I'm better at pushing through it now. Uh, another thing you talked about, which I would just like to comment on because I am torn in it is and that's the the negativity from outside sources because they're they're like everything else we've got we've got the veganism on one yeah. end and the people telling us that vegetables are poisonous on the other end and that we can just live on steak and maybe maybe both of those work for a handful of people but i don't think either is a good idea for the vast yeah. majority of us and in a similar way we have healthy at every size saying this is a genetic condition and you shouldn't ever try to improve it. And we got to just love ourselves. And then the other side is yeah. the people saying like, no, you're fat, lazy slob and you just need to practice self-discipline. And for me, I, I'm like, neither of these things are absolutely true. I never made a conscious choice on a daily basis to be fat. I didn't. It was something that was occurring despite my efforts. I yeah. do believe that in order to uh, get to where I am today, I had to make a conscious decision every day to achieve 
losing weight, but it wasn't the same sort of decision as it was for gaining weight. For gaining weight, it was as though I was unconscious. So people out there screaming all these fat, lazy cunts, it's like, I don't know that you're helping those people. Yeah. And I think a lot of, so a lot of it is social media and media playing news stories against each other. I don't think there's anybody on planet earth that sits there and is like, do you know what? I'm, I'm overweight or I, it's not even, I, I am fat. It's I have fat. So a person that has more fat than somebody else, I don't think they're sat there being like, I am healthy in this place. And this is where I'm going to be. I think everybody consciously knows that by being like, look, if I lost a little bit of weight, and this is for people who are heavily overweight, there's people that like social media portrays a picture now that you have to have six pack, have be super lean in order to be healthy. I don't have any of that. And my health markers are all okay. And I think for the majority of people, if you exercise on a day on a daily basis and try and move around and try to look after overall nutrition, you're probably not going to be walking around a six back but you'll probably still be healthy but i don't think there's anyone sat there at home that has a shit ton of weight to lose that is over 400 pounds or whatever and thinks that that is perfectly okay i think media love portraying that side of things and maybe then that's what's caused the counter argument for a lot of social media and a lot of younger people to be like now calling people fat is going to motivate people and even if it does right let's put the argument forward that uh, maybe there's someone in your comment section here that's arguing and if there is you can fuck off and you can fuck off again because i don't care for your opinion if you put this out there and you're saying that calling someone fat is going to make them lose weight even if they lose weight and you're constantly calling them fat i'm pretty sure the mental health issues that they're going to have going forward are probably going to be more harmful than the obesity that you've helped them lose so i think that that's one big thing that people need to consider again i don't think there's anyone out there that sits there in that place and if there is i think a lot of them just maybe put that out there out of insecurity like i would have worked with say a lot of models that would be um say let's say not body accepted models but models that would be of a heavier proportion or whatever i don't know what it's called but plus size models or whatever and they might put out on their instagram that body acceptance but it's because they're accepting their body rather than feeling like it's okay or it's perfect the way it is and they're still trying to make conscious improvements that's why i support change positive change not the negative change that comes forward for most people i think that's where it's difficult and then like for people nowadays with social media, it's so difficult because of all the misleading information online. Like one end of things, like if I went on my social media and I went V like perfect example, actually, I don't want to say any names here just in case I get you in trouble, but people know the kind of or people that are online or anybody that's online. There's two sides to it. If I'm on one side and I put this out there, my message is going to go viral because it's polarizing. Loads of people are going to disagree with me. Loads of people are going to agree with me. They're the videos that are going viral. If I go to the opposite end and say vegan and only food, well then that's going to go viral. Netflix is a killer of putting up these uh, documentaries of what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat. But the reason to do is because they're controversial. And if they're controversial, you're going to watch it. If it was simply being a TV show up there being like, you just need to eat slightly less calories than what you're currently eating, you'll be fine. I did an experiment maybe two years ago where I ate McDonald's for two weeks. I could have done it longer. I probably should have, like looking back on it or whatever, but to ate McDonald's for two weeks and, and I ended up losing weight, but also didn't neglect any of my health markers. So all my health markers are actually the same at the end of the two weeks as they were at the start. Now, again, a longer term study would probably be needed, but there is scientific research looking at people who are really, really heavy, yet still including, say, 20% of the foods that people would class as unhealthy or as bad, and yet still improving health markers by following a calorie-restricted diet to lose weight. I think that this is another huge issue because this is demonizing certain food groups, and people might be here like, oh, sure, that doesn't fucking matter. Again, it's not that big of a deal, but it actually is when you deep down think about it, because the second that we feel like a food is bad or something is something that we shouldn't have, like the biggest one would probably be sugar or fats or whatever. 
Like, there's no food that is necessarily bad. Everything is bad in overconsumption. If I drink too much water, I can drown. If I have too many vegetables, I will end up really badly damaging my gut and my inside. So the thing is to try and have a balance. 80% of whole nutritious foods and then 20% of the foods that we would class as more enjoyable. That's the way I would look at it. Because when we class them as bad... If we eat them, what happens is we then become bad. We are this bad person for eating this food or we're a person that should feel guilty about having this food because we can't have it. And that actually creates more overeating than actually just seeing as a diet as a whole. We're all also like big kids and, and research shows this as well, is that if we tell someone they can't have something, instantly they're going to crave it more, instantly going to end up overeating on it more. Meanwhile, if we allow ourselves and give ourselves permission to have it, we're way less likely to overeat. And this is why I would say that those two things are really, really fucking harmful as well. And to me, it's somewhere in the middle. And yes, everybody is different. Everybody can stick to different things. And maybe some people like having a higher carbohydrate diet in comparison to a higher fat diet. And that's okay. That's very individual. But the scientific research out there shows as long as protein is accounted for and calories are accounted for, every single diet is the exact same is going to give you the same same benefit. So whether our fat content is super high or our carbohydrate content is super high, we're still going to have the same um, health effects and we're still going to have the same amount of body weight lost at the end of it as well. So two of those things are kind of the main factors that you're looking at, at, at controlling and everything else is just there so that someone can sell you shit because you're confused. So if you're confused, it's easy to be like, here you go, here's your fucking solution, here's your high carb, low carb, vegan, vegetarian solution. That's it. It's it's not like that. That's what I'm saying. It's it's kind of in middle, and that's where it, it frustrates me that you can probably even sense it coming out of me every time I get into these topics. Is like I fucking hate them cunts that put one side of the thing that this is perfect and this is absolutely perfect. There's a middle ground, and as long as you're controlling those two factors, um, you'll be a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it, it is very tricky because for the most part, I, I eat foods that have one ingredient. So like if you asked me to go through my diet and tell you what I eat, not you, but like a person on Instagram, I'm going to say a bunch of stuff and they're going to get the idea like, well, okay, he doesn't eat processed food because I don't eat a lot of processed food, but they have their stuff. uh, There's this company out here called Legendary Foods and they make a a high protein Pop-Tart. It's got loads of chemicals. It's it's (laughs) fucking awesome. You know, it's fucking delicious. And we have we have like a low calorie um, uh, ice cream called the Enlightened or Halo Top. It's fucking awesome. My kids hate it because it really doesn't taste like real ice cream, apparently. But I, I don't eat real ice cream. I eat that shit. And it, for me, it's delicious. But like, that's a small part of my diet. I, I, I'm so yeah. with you, man. People are demonizing seed oils and fucking broccoli or onions. And it's like, yeah. Come on. By the way, if you just stop eating broccoli, you're not going to cure everything. You know, salt to your point about water. You don't eat. If you completely remove sodium from your diet, you're likely to die. If you take a high enough dose of sodium in one sitting, you're likely to die. Is sodium good or bad? It can kill you either way. Like, What are we talking about here? Exactly that. And that's where it's so, so difficult. And I suppose... People have these (laughs) agendas and the second that someone has this thing in their head, like, because this is it, the the scales feeds the feedback loop. So for the majority of people, I would say, and if anyone here disagrees with me again, refer back to my last comment I said, keto is probably a diet that 99% of people shouldn't do. And the reason I say that is because it was actually invented for people, for kids who have epilepsy and that's what was, was kind of made for reasons. I would say that is uh, carbohydrates 
glucose is the primary fuel source of our brain. And so that we are actually wired to utilize it. Yes, we can use fats and break them down and use them. But I feel like with keto, it's restricting so bloody much. So when people are jumping on this diet, they have to go from zero to 100. And that's impossible. It's like if you got in your car, put the car in first gear and slammed down on the accelerator, your car is probably not going to last very long. It's probably going to burn out and break. But the feedback loop that most people are getting when they're initially on the keto diet, which is why it's so widespread and people are like, oh yeah, it's class, it's unbelievable, is because they see the scale weight go down. Instantly when you feel the scale weight go down, even if you're okay, even if you're feeling like shit, it's instantly masked because, oh, it's good because my scale weight's gone down. Oh yes, I'm feeling better. And the keto flu is often talked about after after the fact, but not during, because when during, it's that feedback loop of the scales has gone down, that must mean this is working and I'm feeling really good about myself when people might be feeling really shitty about themselves. And this is the thing I often recommend people move away from the scale weight and move more towards how you're feeling. And yes, okay, it's not as much of a clear cut marker as, as weighing yourself. And if you are weighing yourself, I do recommend like taking averages. So like weigh yourself every day and then take the average of week one compared to the average of week two and, and week three and so on. When it comes to, um, I suppose, the the feeling better aspect, it relates back to that thing what you're talking about going into the gym. So six days a week, you're going into the gym. You're going into the gym to work on the way that your body looks and your No, no, no. I am going. Okay. I am going into the gym because it makes me feel better. That is the yes. only reason I go to the sick. gym. Sick, sick, sick. So most people make the mistake. Apologies for me assuming. Most people make the mistake of going to the gym to look a certain way, and I fell into this trap for ages as well. But it's only since I started to move towards that as well of going into the gym to feel better that I actually enjoy exercise more. I'll do exercise more often because the solution to feeling like shit then becomes exercise. I then start moving around to stop myself feeling shit. The solution when most people are feeling like shit and they're like, oh, I have to go to gym to lose fat because I'm lazy and because I'm a cunt or whatever. It's like, I'm not going to go. So instantly, if we're feeling like shit, then our solution is exercise. But if we're feeling like shit and our solution is fat loss, well, then we're not we're, we're not going to go and do it. And I suppose that's where the feelings is what we really need to be focused on more so than this scale number that, again, really tells you fuck all. Tells yeah. you fuck like. People can lower that scale number. I could get up now, right? Go for a piss, stand on that scale and be lighter than where I was this morning. Does that mean right. I'm a better person? I've done things to to be better with my health. I could drink this two liter of water down here in front of you and stand on the scales and be heavier. But like people are assuming that this is better. This is lower scale is better. And then it's feedback looping into their uh like their, their, oh, the diet is good or this is great. It's not. And it's something that then taints the perception of everybody else because everybody else is looking at these comments online of people like keto is unbelievable i'm doing this program for this long check back in with me in a year check back in with me in two years check back in with me when your daughter has a birthday and you can't fucking have any birthday cake or you can't enjoy it with her and this is another thing because it's spread through families it's spread your daughter your 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 sons are looking at exactly what you're doing and they're going to follow that and end up with eating disorders or disordered eating or whatever it might be and one story from a client that i worked with changed my mindset surrounding all this i worked with a client maybe three years ago she came to me and i was only i would have been i would have been only new to online coaching i would have done a lot of in-person coaching prior like across the gyms and stuff like that and i i think i just come out of college or maybe had finished college maybe a year or so she came to me and she wanted to have pizza with her her uh, family for her birthday or she didn't want to have it she was on, on a diet with me and she wanted to obviously pull back from that um, and it was her birthday and her father was there her mother was there everyone was kind of sitting at the table having fun and she was like i don't want to have pizza because i'm trying to lose weight so what i'm going to do is is go and sit in my room because i don't want to be involved in that her father didn't make it to her next birthday and so she revoked herself from that whole entire situation where she could have had that moment on her birthday with her father and everything else. 
but she didn't because she decided that weight loss and losing weight and the number on the scales was more important. And this is where food isn't just scale number. Food is how we're feeling our social connections and so much more. And that's what makes it so, so complicated. And that's why it's not as simple as, as you, you were even saying before, like it was unconscious that you didn't realize you're fat. It's not as simple as just being fat. There's so many other factors because food plays such a massive role. And I know in America, like your food quality and, and stuff like that can be, or not, food environment let's say not food quality food environment is a lot worse so it's harder for you and just that story always relates back to me because think about people on keto and and think about people that are going super vegan and cutting out all these sorts of things like okay if you're doing it for different practices that's okay i'm not giving out about that but i think it's important to realize that reducing the food or changing the foods that you're eating to restrictive things like keto or whatever it might be i'm saying so i can challenge them now or targeting just them but everything what's going to happen is it's going to restrict a lot more of your life and that way then health and fitness isn't actually adding to your life it's taken away from it and that's where you need to question is why the fuck am i doing this in the first place why do i want to lose weight most people want to lose weight to feel better or maybe to live longer what's the fucking point in living longer if you're not going to be able to enjoy birthdays christmases time with your family friends if you're not going to be able to ever eat a piece of cake again even for the people that are like i know there's one guy that's doing a longevity thing that has to have his supplements all perfect and this this is the point where what's the point in living to 120 if you're going to be fucking drinking 60 supplements in the morning time having to sit in an ice bath for four hours doing red light therapy and then getting a fucking 30 minute session to yourself to not even watch tv because there's too much blue light coming out of it what's the point in living to 120 if you have to live like that there's no point we're all human beings and we need to be able to incorporate healthy foods and nutritious foods whole foods to support that but also the enjoyable foods as well so we can live our fucking lives because that's a point to doing it is to add to our lives yeah yeah i i think um a couple things it's very easy to beat up on the keto people because most of the people me included come into wanting to lose weight and we're thinking in those terms i just want to lose weight and so when you see any number reduce on the scale you've lost weight but we haven't gotten very specific because I just assumed weight meant fat. I just assumed that the only thing that happened was I, I I was measuring my weight in terms of fat and I had excess fat. And so I was losing fat. I didn't realize that I could dehydrate myself and lose weight, that I yeah. could, uh, that my body would consume lean tissue also. It took me many years and then a shitload of money to go like, oh, I can get on this thing called a DEXA scan, which is really expensive and not everybody has access to it. And it takes a long time. And then, you know, what are you going to do? Get a DEXA scan every week to see like, oh, no, the diet I'm on is eating up 40 percent lean tissue, too. So for every six pounds of fat I'm losing, I'm losing four pounds of muscle like that's not fun. And no. keto for me, that keto flu like. It could just be dehydration. Your body's purging itself of all this liquid. Your muscles are losing all their stored energy. Like it's all gone. Of course you feel like shit. And then you see a big reduction on the scale and then it just becomes a grind, man. And for me, that grind turned into like, okay, well now I'm just going to always be hungry. And so I was doing keto, but also barely eating, starving, losing 40% lean tissue, on a DEXA scan, and I was like, what the fuck is the point in this? I'm miserable. I have no energy. It's not fun at all. Um, so I think a little bit of education in the area is necessary because most of us, like me included, go into this just assuming like, first of all, if I just get to a normal, normal sized weight, I'll be 
fixed. All my mental issues will be fixed. The way I perceive the world, I'm looking through the lens of a fat guy. And if I'm not fat, that lens will go away. That lens never goes away. I'm still perceiving the world from the point of view of a fat guy. And so like, I have to get over that yeah. in other ways through, through therapy and thinking and all of these kinds of things. Um, but there's a, a lot of good points you made. And I think I think there is a lot of miseducation out there and there's a lot of people that are just so in need of help. And if, if they're yeah. sold the silver bullet or a get rich quick scheme, I, I took it for many years. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, it's, a, it's like the recent trend in, in fasting. Like fasting has become a massive thing because of famous people doing it now as well. And it's like, holy shit, this put, is put out there as a magic pill. When, if you break down right, if I say intermittent fasting to you, you're like, oh yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like it can work. But if I say planned starvation, you're like, it's the same fucking thing. It's just worded a little bit differently, but now it sounds a little bit more shit than what he said. It's exactly <laughs> that. And yes, when you're planned starving yourself, if you're not eating as many calories as you were before, of course. And people will come at me and be like, oh, there's studies showing autophagy and that it's going to increase and that hadn't helped kill off. The exact same autophagy is actually shown through, um, through a calorie-restricted diet which is hilarious because then what is the benefits of actually fasting? Okay, it reduces your eating weight. It might work for certain people to maybe push out your breakfast. Well, fucking call it that then. Don't be going calling it intermittent fasting because you don't eat for three hours in the morning time. You're still having breakfast like everybody else just a few hours later. I'm right. just not eating breakfast. But it's easier for me to be like, I have a new program, guys. It's called intermittent fasting and you fast for the 16, 8 or whatever. There's loads of different ones, a million different ones at this stage. That's what I'm saying. It's easy to sell that sort of stuff. And then for me on social media, it's it that message becomes so perpetrated between everyone because someone starts fasting, maybe sees the scale where it comes down because they are not eating as much and then maybe they're eating further away from bedtime so their food has more time to digest. So when they step on the scales, their weight is down, their body fat might not have changed a huge amount, but just because they have less food in their system and they start, decide to weigh a little bit later. And this is where it's hard for me to try and break down those beliefs that people have because when people have an ingrained belief that this is working for me, this works, they spread it to everybody else, all their family members, everybody knows about their diet. A hilarious fella said this to me last day, um, Carl O'Rourke, he's, he's a funny fucker. He goes, 
if only everybody treated their diets like their dicks, right? That you don't go around showing your dick to everybody and be like, look at the size of this thing. Look at way, what way it works and all this sort of stuff. You don't do that. So don't do that with your diet because that's creating that diet culture and creating that thing that's so hard to break and misinformation. And it comes back to that thing is like, if you had something wrong with you and you had an injury or you had a disease, would you go to your friend and be like, oh, Jesus, what what I do for this? And they'll take out a little cream out of the thing and be like, oh, just use this here. No, you'd probably go to a doctor and figure out from a fucking qualified person what the actual issue is. Um, but there's loads of, loads of those and it's so hard to overcome that. And it's not hard for me as a coach, like whatever, about the poor people that are stuck in a situation where they're not feeling confident themselves, they're feeling shitty and they don't know what way to kind of go about things. And that's why, as I said at the beginning, it's like when it comes to my social media, I refuse to take sponsorships for the sheer fact is I want someone online to be able to be like, that ocean fella just speaks the truth. That's all he's literally here for. He doesn't have any other qualms or things that are behind the scenes that nobody sees. Ocean just wants to tell people how it is and I can go and, and refer back to him because I remember on social media myself, I'd scroll on and I'd see some guy selling a program or this guy selling something else and I'd buy into every single one of them. Fuck knows how much money I spent on those things throughout the years. I don't actually even want to add it up because I'd probably be quite sad I don't have a Ferrari sitting outside my house. <laughs> um, but what I would say is that's what I want to be seen as and that's what I want to try help. Ocean, how, how did you break out of it? So you, you were doing these diets. What's what 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 made you switch? I think doing them all um, was one. So fucking failing at all of them. I was trying to think about this at a run. So one, I don't know if you think about the same thing. I often think back because I always get the question, how did you lose the weight? How did you do this? Yeah. I'd say you probably have the same thoughts. Like if I could bottle that one thing that I did and give it to somebody, I'd give it to them all. I just, that's the solution. This one sentence solves all your problems. But I think it was many things that accumulated. And I was just thinking back at, it all, for me, like when I'm exercising on a daily basis or when I'm doing things, it comes back to building that self-confidence in myself because I know if I say to myself, I'm going to go out and run and I don't do it, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to feel even worse than myself because I didn't do the thing I thought I should or I didn't follow through on what I was saying. And then when I'm out and run and when I'm doing my things or whatever I might be doing my jujitsu class, it's always thinking I've done worse things than this. I've gotten true harder. So I know a lot of people that are setting goal setting are like, Think of all of the positive things. Think all positively. But if you actually think back and, and for people that maybe are struggling with their weight or motivation and things, think back to all the difficult things you've faced in life. All list maybe the top five. T list the top five. I want you with the top five of those things to list down exactly how you felt in those moments. Did you feel shit about yourself? Did you feel overwhelmed? Did you feel really anxious? Did you feel like you weren't going to make it through it? Uh, then I want you to make sure that you write down how you made it past all those things. How did you get through them? So um, for me, it's like when I was stuck in my room and really overwhelmed, really anxious, how did I get through that? I just persevered. I was like a cockroach. I just refused to give up. And that same story is actually going to come true with everything is that you just refuse to give up at all of these situations. You felt really, really shit about yourself. And so if you carry that evidence forward, that not giving up and pushing on forward and being the cockroach that just doesn't disappear, if you kill one, another one appears and you try to throw it out of your room, somehow it climbs back in. I make people think I have a room full of cockroaches here but I, I don't but I was just thinking back to that and then it's like if I can get through this I can get through this next hard thing all these hard things that I faced throughout my life I can now get through the next and I suppose that support was one massive aspect with my brother that like broke things down and made me feel like a human being he helped me with small steps as well because I eventually started realizing every time I'm trying to over drastically change my whole entire life and my whole entire diet that it wasn't working so okay let's just try to do one thing even if it's not what it's going to make me super healthy. Like I think it's, I think scientific research shows 90% of people don't eat enough fruit or veg throughout the day. Fruit. I think it's fruit. Just three pieces of fruit is what's recommended. 90% of people don't even do that. And when you realize that, that if you eat three pieces of fruit per day, you're ahead of 90% of the population of the planet. You'll be like, holy fuck, that does make a huge difference. And then it's eating enough fiber is like, 
99%. And then it's like eating enough protein is even smaller percentage that people people actually do this out of the whole population of the planet. So when you think about that, the small steps are actually big ones, but they just look small because you're comparing yourself to people that are maybe miles ahead of you on social media. So really good question, Ethan. I don't really have an answer there. The thoughts that come to my head and the therapy was probably one of the biggest ones I've ever done. I thank my therapist for absolutely everything. I would not be standing here beside chatting to you, chatting to anyone online if it wasn't for him. And same when it comes to my mom. My mom's a therapist, always there to support me. And I'm lucky. And people are like, Oh, you know, I wish I had someone that could support me in that way in my life. Everybody has someone. And you could find someone, you can chat to someone, you can reach out to someone, you can hopefully, hopefully have this one person in your life that you can rely on. And I think having that and that support, unwavering support has really helped me get to where I am. And I'm so grateful for those people in my life as well. Yeah, that's amazing. No, no, I, I think, yeah, for, for me, I, I did many of those things. I, I think the biggest change for me was that uh, I stopped thinking about it as like a short term pursuit. I kept I kept for the longest time expecting that weight loss would produce a result that would perpetuate weight loss. And yeah. And I stopped thinking about it in those terms. I, I, when I, when I started thinking about it, oh, for me, it's going to be a lifelong thing. Like I'm going to be working at this forever. Um, that really helped me because there was no finish line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it is going to be a forever thing. And, and like, it doesn't have to be like how you described everything, find stuff that you're happy with. That's, that's the yeah. key. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I was not happy on a diet that was all fat, and no carbohydrates. I, I just wasn't happy. And I, and yeah. I also like, similarly, I, a few years ago, I was going to the gym trying to make my body look very differently. And I also it just became exhausting, but I feel better after I exercise. So I exercise every day because I feel better, not, you know, with this other hidden yeah. goal. I, I'm, I love that. I love the way I feel when I eat the way I do. I So those are the benefits. Yeah. For, for, for you, I just, I, I love picking up people's brains. Is there a point that you can think back to? And I, I think this is funny about podcasts. People will be listening to your podcast, Ethan, to know more about you. And then the other person comes on and rambles and never asks you any questions. No. So when it comes to you, is there a specific point that you can remember that you were like, oh shit, this, this is the turning point or this is the point that I'm changing my life or what was that exact moment if you have one at all? Um, because I think one thing that I'm thinking of that like from remembering seeing you on the TV show, My Name's Earl, I used to come home from school to watch it all the time with my brother, which is so crazy. You would have always been had this image of yourself that you were the fat guy on TV, that you were that fat guy on TV. And I can only imagine how difficult that was to change. So your journey was definitely one million times harder than me because you were already in the spotlight, already getting so much criticism, already this fat guy. That's, how did you do that? Because I think that would be so powerful for so many people listening to the podcast to know how the hell did Ethan step out of that situation or how did he change his whole perception on himself when everybody else had a perception of him as well? Everybody at home and everyone everywhere. So is there any point that you can think of that that was that your turning point for you? Yeah. In in 2002, I was I had a girlfriend who I was madly in love with. And I, I noticed that my behavior was I was very withheld from her. I, I didn't want to hold her hand in public because I felt like it should be embarrassing for her. It wasn't embarrassing for her, but I felt embarrassed for her that she would be associated with me. She liked going on hikes into the beach, into the museums and stuff like that. And I didn't want to do any of that because the beach was embarrassing. The hike I couldn't physically do. And even going to a museum and just walking around. And I realized 
pretty abruptly that like I, I didn't have a long term shot with her if I didn't change in some way. And that was really the motivation that made me want to change. We're married now. We have kids and grandkids and like everything worked out. But that was the initial desire for change was like I actually got a picture of my life that was so great. I saw like, oh, my God, I could have this fairy tale life with this girl, but it's not going to work if I don't improve myself. But then yeah. for for 15 years, I tried diets and I was on a roller coaster of lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight. And the second big kind of like breakthrough for me was this idea of maintenance periods in a diet where I've lost some weight and then I was encouraged to take a diet break. Now, there was a time in my life where diet break meant you eat whatever you want, right? And Tim Ferriss's, I tried his diet book, his diet, The 4-Hour Body, and it was like you get a cheat day. Cheat day, you eat whatever you want. And I never lost weight because I would wipe out any progress I made that week on my cheat day. So then when I realized after a few months of this that I hadn't lost any weight, that a cheat day was too much and I made it a cheat meal, dude, I would go and eat everything. I would have cheeseburgers and pizzas. Like I would have a, a the most insane meal and go like, well, no. He says I can have a cheat meal. This is my cheat meal. So my idea of a diet break was like, okay, so now I spend three months eating whatever I want. No, a diet break is intentionally maintaining your weight, which for me was just as hard as the diet. So I spent, yeah. I'd, I'd lost some weight eating all the foods I normally eat or foods that, that, you know, I reintroduced carbohydrates to my diet, but I was tracking my calories and consistently losing weight. And it was a miracle because I thought I couldn't lose weight if I ate carbohydrates. And I did. And then I was going to take this three month maintenance period where I was going to intentionally not lose weight it was so fucking hard. But I realized like halfway through it, this is, oh my God. This is how I have to live forever if I yeah. want to not gain weight. And so it was this miraculous revelation of like, oh, my God, this is the forever plan. Maintenance is the forever plan. Like, I have to do this forever or I'm going to gain weight. And that was my breakthrough, man. And then I went on and after the three months were over, I continued dieting recalculated my calories, did another maintenance period. And again, was like, I'm just practicing for real life. This is me practicing for when the diet is over. And I did that a number of times and then thought like, well, my life's going to suck because I've got to like be this focused forever and measuring my food. And that's not true. After doing it a few times, I understood what a cup of rice looked like. I understood yeah. what a serving of chicken looked like. I understood that like if I'm eyeballing olive oil, I could very easily pour myself a quarter of a cup thinking it's a tablespoon. So like yeah. today, kind of the only thing I ever measure are fats. That's it. That's the only thing I measure. I don't measure proteins. I don't measure carbohydrates. I measure my fats because I can easily blow through a thousand calories in fats without thinking and and they don't fill me up that much and like i i like a, a big soupy salad dressing i just that's that's my preference and so i have to be slightly careful with that you know and when i'm saying like i measure avocado that just means 
I don't eat the whole avocado. I eat half the avocado. I save the other half. I put it in a little baggie. I put it in my fridge. I eat the other half at another meal. That's me measuring yeah. an avocado. You know what I mean? If I'm going to yeah. eat nuts, I don't pick up the bag of nuts and just eat until I'm full. I take out a, a small, a very small handful of nuts and I walk away from the bag. And that's my serving of nuts. Like that's all it is. But learning about maintenance and actually doing maintenance in the middle of the diet was very, very helpful for me. Now, I don't know that that's going to work for everybody, but that's how I learned to eat forever and, and realizing yeah. that that was going to be forever. Otherwise, as soon as I turn off this idea of like, I've lost weight, I have Today, I'm sorry to say I only have four visible abs. It's not a six pack, but <laughs> with good lighting in the shower, first thing in the morning, you can see four of them <laughs> take. Um, if I want that for any sustained period of time, I can't eat whatever I want because my fucking mind, even in this moment, as I'm telling you this story, is thinking like a mile away, there's a McDonald's. And at McDonald's, <laughs> they have Big Macs. And while a Big Mac is fine, I don't want a Big Mac. I want three Big Macs and fries and chicken nuggets and a filet of fish for dinner. I wasn't a sweets guy. I just would rather have another cheeseburger instead of a, an ice cream. And yeah. so, like that's I can't do that. I can have a Big Mac. I don't because a Big Mac doesn't fill me up. I'm hungry right of way. And like it's for me, it's got too much fat in it. So that's not a food I choose to eat, but it's not bad. It's just not for me. Yeah. And that's the difference. You have the choice there. Like if you really wanted to, you could get up and go down and have a Big Mac or a McDonald's or whatever that you did want, but it's your decision now to not. And most people feel like they don't have that decision instantly. So it's already a thing of, I can't have this, this is bad. And this is a negative thing. And I think that maintenance break thing is something that people don't realize. And it's super important. You actually brought it up because I actually don't ever touch. I don't think I've ever made a video on it. I would describe it as like a car. If you have your car full of petrol, right, and then you're driving across America, you're probably going to have to stop a few times to refuel or else your car is going to run out of fuel. And that's essentially what you've done with the diet breaks and maintenance. But also just thinking about it here off the top of my head is like, holy shit, that's actually removing the emphasis from the scales for a little bit too. Because yes, you have to stop your weight from coming up, but you're not focused on bringing your weight down. And so that almost is like, how else can I feel successful without the scale, which you're building in this mindset, but also you're doing something that's very difficult. You're finding it very hard to maintain in your weight and as you said here the first couple of times you didn't and then when you succeeded you're starting to build that self-confidence that self-worth again because there's actually a part of our brain um it's called the emcc so it's part of a brain that will say increase in activity when we're doing things that are hard and it kind of gets reinforced so it's easier to activate each time so if we do something and we or we don't do the thing or say we have had failed diets before and we fail at something it's actually harder and people have small lower activity within that side of the brain so it's harder to do the hard things so if you think of it as like this, because you were doing the maintenance breaks that were difficult, you're building up that activity in that brain, in that part of your brain, the MCC, that is the difficult part of brain. I call it the, I can fucking do it muscle because it's easy rather than saying all these scientific terms. I like to, because if I curse, people remember it. If I curse, people always remember it. So the I can fucking do it muscle is essentially what you are building up within your brain by telling yourself, this thing's hard, but I can fucking do it. I'm not giving up. I can fucking do it. And then eventually the I can fucking do it turns into, I am able to do this whenever the hell I'm able, I want to do it. And you have that confidence. And it's, again, it always leads back to that doing something that is slightly difficult for you that if you just stick at it and be a cockroach you complete and then that muscle is going to get built but the issue with this muscle is it's never the same it never remains the same it's either getting smaller or it's getting bigger 
if you're not doing the things that you tell yourself you're going to do, like getting up at the time that you said you wanted to get up at or going for that shower when you had that on your no zero days list, what's going to happen is that you're going to to let that muscle become smaller and then it's harder to do it the next day, the harder to do it the next day. It's always why I say to people, if you miss an exercise session or you feel like that you're very overwhelmed one day and you end up overeating, well then, don't let it turn into two because when it turns into two, it's easier to turn into three and easier to turn into four. And what we need to do is stop that cycle. So when you see it as this part of my brain that I can fucking do it, most of the is either getting smaller or it's either getting bigger. I'm going to make sure I make sure that it gets bigger. So tomorrow is an easier day for me. Whatever I face tomorrow or any struggles that are on my way tomorrow, it's easier for me to face. And it's the same with everything in life. It's not just weight loss and it's so interconnected with so many things, but fucking genius. And I love that as well. The turning point in your life. And I think so many people will take things from that of like have something like some people say oh you should have all this internal motivation it's good but it's also important to have that external motivation of other people like your family your kids um your girlfriend in, in your situation now your wife um like it's important to have that or find something worth sticking around for find something worth putting on for find something that's worth you changing as a person for to become a better person not even about to scale away fuck that but just become a better person through again the hard work through and um, doing the things that you don't want to do on a daily basis yeah and, and let me go back to something you said um the scale during maintenance and today in real life that's the hardest that's the hardest thing ever because i am so preconditioned to wanting to see the number go down that even when yeah. i'm when i'm actively working to keep the number the same right if I get on the scale and it's the same, I'm disappointed. I feel guilty. It's so crazy. And I have to talk myself through it. Even today, I get on the scale just about every day, at least four or five days a week. And when the number's the same, I, I don't, it makes me uncomfortable even today. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I've done nothing to lose weight. I haven't, you know, cut out any calories. I haven't started doing a big cardio thing. Why should I expect to lose weight? I don't expect to lose weight. I know getting on, I want the number to be the same. I get on the numbers the same. I'm disappointed. It's so fucked up, but this is a game yeah. we play and you got to like be ready for it and be able to get through it and not let that disappointment crush you. Yeah. And sometimes it takes simple reminders. Like what I'd ask a lot of people to do is write down how you feel before you step on the scale. So how you feel about yourself, your progress, your journey, write it all out. And that might be, I'm not happy with how I've done. I'm not really happy with my consistency over the last little while. So then when you step on the scales, no matter what that scale says, you've already decided how you feel. So you can't change that. Right. You've already decided before you step on. And I think that that's a huge tool for some people. Another massive tool for some people stepping on the scales would be having a scale that shouts out, it's fucking water every time you stand on it. Right, it right. <laughs> some people, some people messaged me after that video. <laughs> yeah. So messaged me after that video and said I should have should make it weighing scales and sell it sell it that says that but I think like when it comes to the scales it's it's just that wiring and again the same length of time it would have been wired in your head that a higher scale number is is worse and that you're fat and you're worse it's probably going to take that same length of time to kind of rewire your brain to remove that from it and like now that you understand it I'd say even though you're disappointed or you'd like to see the scale weight go down you're a lot more okay with it meanwhile some people would like not be able to leave the house if their scale weight doesn't go down or their confidence and not be able to wear that dress even if their body shape hasn't changed or not be able to get up and go to school or whether they're even going to to give a lecture or go to college or go to teach people to stand up in front of people they can't do that because the scale weight isn't showing them that they're a better person when the scale weight doesn't even fucking show that anyways um, so I think like over time you get more resilient to it and um, sometimes as well for me when I step on the scales and if I step on it sometimes it tells me a fucking truth too if I've been off track for a little while sometimes I need that little bit of a kick of being like it's telling I'm upset about it but I'm upset about it because I haven't really been doing what I said I was going to do the last little while 
Yeah. And it's the same as like studying, what I'd say was studying or work. Like even if you have a load of shit ton of work to do, right? And you're sat downstairs and you're watching a film, you're not really resting. You're not like, you're not like, oh, this is class. Instead, you're like, fuck, I have that work to do. Fuck, I have that work to do. So you would have been better off just getting up and doing it in the first place because then you can actually properly rest. And it's the same when it comes to the scales is like, we're a step on it. And if we know we've put in the work and it hasn't gone, we're a little bit less upset. If our relationship with the scales is healed fully, well, then we won't be upset about it really at all because we'll understand. But for some people, it's like a kick to be like, you haven't really been doing what you're doing. Not to let it throw you off track, but to be like, okay, now I need to move back forward. Now I need to be able to step. And like some people would ask me, Ushin, do you recommend I track my calories? Do you recommend I um, track my weight? I think for some people, avoiding the scales can actually be more harmful because instantly our brain is going to go to the negative. So sometimes we can go, oh, I'm definitely up in weight. I fucked this up or I've done this wrong. So it's like, say I went out for a meal out or had a takeaway. Instantly, it's like I put on a shit ton of fat or I put on a shit ton of this. It doesn't happen overnight, but our brain might start to tell us that because we haven't stepped on the scales to get the average to check. It's the same when it comes to tracking calories. I'd have people being like, oh, it's a pain in the arse to track the calories. Okay, if it's a pain in the arse to track the calories, which sometimes I admit it absolutely is a pain in the arse to track the calories. I don't track them all the time, but I learned over time now my portion size is the same as you have. When it comes to tracking calories, if I don't track my calories, the instant narrative in my head is that I am wrong. I've done stuff bad and I haven't stuck to my calories. When I actually don't know, I might have. I just haven't tracked. But the positive is I could have, but instantly it's just negative because I haven't done the work the work to get it. And even if my scale weight goes down, you're in your head, you're going to be like, that was fluke. I didn't I didn't deserve that. That was my... But if you're tracking your calories and you're putting in the work and you get that win or you get that scale number going down or you feel a little bit better in yourself, it's a deserved, you've put in the work and you deserve to have that. And that's where the achievement comes from. So what I would say to people is there is no right and wrong answer. Like if you're really upset about the scales is impacting who you are, fuck this thing out the window. Um, and I just hope it hits <laughs> one of them misinformation people on the way out the window as well. And you're showing it out there. And then when it comes to tracking your calories think about that because like 99% of the time you're just going to feel guilty even if you don't um and learn a little bit more about food that's it even if you're not tracking perfectly you're picking up things you might pick up a packet of nuts as you said and be like holy shit i thought this was a health food and there's a shit ton of calories in it, and maybe that's what set me over that's all we're looking for i'm not looking for you to be 100 correct small changes learning about your nutrition it's the same as when we go to school we pick up the books we learn from the books we don't bring the books around with us on a daily basis now because we've learned enough same with my fitness pal or whatever app you want to use. Uh, one of them sponsored the podcast and I'll start saying that. I'll say the proper one for you, whichever one sponsored the podcast for you. But what you want to do is use it, track, learn about certain foods and same as school, tell it to fuck off when you're done with it and you don't really need it anymore. And you can revert back to it. Sometimes I still revert back to my sports science books from college if I need to pick up research or need to get some. Same when it comes to my fitness pal. If I need to pick up some more information or my weight's starting to go a little bit wayward or I know I've let myself go a little bit, let's just go back to it for a little while. It's not a failure. It's like, I just need to learn a little bit more. I need to remind myself of these things that maybe I've forgotten over time of enjoying myself or whatever. But I do think the long-term solution for most people is being like what you are, understanding portion sizes, understanding regards that, look, I find that I overeat on my fats a little bit. So that's the only thing I'm going to track. I think actually tracking calories all of the time and being consistent with that over long, long periods can be a negative thing. It can lead into negative eating behaviors as well, because then we start swapping out foods or really cutting down our calories lower. I think it's important to have a balance there. But for most people beginning, I think like a good period to actually track your calories is one until you're getting to a weight that you feel comfortable or I'd say like a period of two years to learn about your food and then push on and, and move away from my fitness pal after a while. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I, I find um on like uh Sundays it tends to be if I if I have time off and I'm just at home and I'm not traveling and, and my schedule is perfect, Sunday is a day I don't go to the gym. And it is typically my least favorite day because I don't get that burst of feeling good first thing in the morning, which is yeah. really what I love about the gym. And even that, 
even that I quite often have to talk myself into going to the gym. I wake up and I don't want to go. And I'm like, why not? You're going to feel better if you go. Yeah, but I don't feel like it. You know, it still happens. And, yeah. You know, I've been going to the gym every day for almost 10 years. Um, even when I was eating like shit and weighed almost 400 pounds, I was lifting weights every day and it made me feel better. Uh, but I love your water video so much because the two things first, um, I, I agree. I couldn't, the, the idea of tracking calories for the rest of my life, not realistic. I don't do that, yeah. but I, I think I gained a lot of information about myself by doing it for a while. I did track very yeah. diligently for a long time and on maintenance and on diets and understanding the difference and understanding how I felt when I was on a diet and really leaning into what that information was giving me was super helpful for me as far as like yeah. long-term goes. I don't, I don't track my calories today. I just eat roughly in the same way that I did on maintenance. Um, uh, your water video there is on maintenance. You have a little window. You have like a three to five pound window, depending on how big you are of like yes. your, your weight can go up and that doesn't mean you've gained fat, but God, can I tell you that the first time my weight went up, everything in me was like, well, I shouldn't eat carbs tomorrow. And I should like uh, maybe take a whole meal out and not do this. Cause I've gained this weight. It was so hard to get over that idea that three, a couple pounds up does not mean I've ruined it. You know what I mean? And that yeah. the only way you can do that is by using statistics. Like you talked about taking the whole week and measuring that against the last week as an average versus I got on the scale today. It was three pounds up. It's going to ruin my day. It's going to make me feel guilty about anything I eat and it'll fuck your life up if you don't fully yeah. understand that water balance thing man and for females it's even worse so for women because of the menstrual cycle um during menstruation your your weight can go up like three or four pounds five pounds that's actually why weight loss is harder for women for the sheer fact of like that your weight will increase and it's more of a mental factor of holy shit my scale has gone up but it's actually just water weight because cortisol one stress hormone causes a retention of water so whether that be stress from exercise stress from work your boss being a cunt or you just had a really bad uh, hard workout session your water weight can increase and that's a positive health seeking behavior but yet the scale weight comes up let's go with i made a recent video as well on uh vegetables so like swapping your say uh nutritionally say deficient foods let's say your your foods that maybe aren't as as good for us per se and what i say with that is like if you're swapping those foods that are say smaller in weight and density and um, in comparison to a carrot or foods that are a little bit heavier you're going to go up in weight because of the food waste in your stomach is a little bit heavier than previously so even though you're promoting or you're doing health seeking behaviors like maybe swapping your burgers to vegetables or whatever it might be your scale weight can still come up because of that as well. Salt content, as you talked about, carbohydrate content, which is stored in our muscles or liver, um, loads of it at that. And carbohydrates cause, I think, one gram of carbs is what, four grams of water held on to. So there's so many different factors. I like I've worked with clients that maybe wake up one day and they're 10 pounds up. What I say to people is if your weight is up more than a pound, you can guarantee that 99% of that is water, even if you had a massive fucking cheat day. I recently went to uh, try and run the, the, or I didn't try and run, I finished the double marathon. I think I had like six weeks of training and I finished it, which was crazy, my first ever time running. Amazing. But with that, I had to challenge myself to eat, to, to 
carb load per se because I needed more energy for the exercise session. So I was like, let's see if I can eat 10,000 calories a day. Really fucking struggled. And I would class myself as a really good eater. Like I can mill food down like nothing else. But even at that, if I had eaten 10,000 calories in a day, the most amount of weight gain that that would probably lead to is in around a pound. And the reason that is, is right, first of all, there's 3,500 calories in a pound of fat. So you would have to eat 3,500 calories over your maintenance calories to put on one single pound. So whatever other over that is, is likely water. But the reason I could eat 10,000 and only put that on is because more calories isn't bad. More calories is energy. More energy means I'm going to move around more, talk more. If I had really low calorie diet today, even though I'd be like this and I'd be sank into the chair and I wouldn't be speaking to you as much, I wouldn't burn as many throughout the day. And so more calories isn't bad. It's going to give me more energy for the next few days. More food we eat, the more calories our body burns through digestion. So digesting our food costs calories. Law of thermodynamics. So then what starts to happen is actually when I overeat by 10,000 calories, a percentage of those pro calories are actually burnt off anyways. So it's even less than what's absorbed into my body. And then the food that is absorbed, I need 3,500 extra in order to put on one pound. So then that 10 pounds that I'm up on the scale, like if I multiply 3,500 by 10, what is 3,000, 35,000? That's so bad. 35,000, yeah. Like, yeah 35,000. I'd have to eat 35,000 calories to gain 10 pounds, even over that, because it's extra because the amount of calories that I eat would burn off more. The more protein I eat, the more calories that my body will burn off. And it's that case is when you, instead of emotionally thinking with the scales, when you rationally think or logically think about like, yeah, that makes sense. The maths is actually telling myself, telling me that I'm fucking stupid thinking that I've gone up and weight, but there's so many factors. And the, one of the reasons anyways is it's really, really hard for women is because of the menstrual cycle. And then menopause is another thing. A lot of women that would struggle with menopause would be like, holy shit, my weight's gone up and they'll feel really bad and, and guilty about themselves and be like, oh, I've let myself go. When actually... Maybe you haven't actually put on any body fat. The scales might be heavier because you're just holding on to more water weight because uh, you might be more insulin resistant or you might be under a little bit more stress. And again, lower lower moods are associated with, with menopause as well. And when you're lower mood, when you look at yourself in the mirror or when you're constantly looking at yourself in the mirror, you're going to start feeling bad about yourself. And the more you look at yourself, the more critical you're going to get. And that feeds into the scale is getting heavier. So I'm looking at myself more. And this is where weight loss is so complicated, but it's so hard for women as well at the same time. Um, and it's because of that scales and because of the water weight and because of the food weight in our stomach, because of the shit that we haven't taken, because of a million different things that have led into that negative negative mindsets around scales. And it is just from learning, even for myself, for years and years and years, I had to be reassured, reaffirmed. And that's why I made that video of being like, even getting the bottle of water and slamming it on the table. I was like, motherfuckers, listen up, this is water. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. hopefully it's stuck with Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. A few people. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I, I, I had uh, my own experience with that where I like really had to calculate my fiber. Like my doctor was like, how much fiber are you really eating? And I was like, I eat plenty and I hate vegetables <laughs> to be, to be completely fair. I really don't, you know, if you cover them in fat, I like them, but without, <laughs> like, they're not sitting in a cheese or cream sauce. I don't like them. Um, and I like, so I was like, I've never tracked my fiber. Let's, let's do it. And I was tracking it. I was like at five grams a day, five <laughs> grams of fiber. And, and, and I said, what do you want me to eat? And he said, 35 to 40 grams a day. And I was like, great done. And so I just was eating massive quantities of vegetables. And first of all, it wasn't fun. Like it irritated my stomach and, yeah. and I gained eight pounds. And I was like, it's not possible that I've gained eight pounds because I did. I, I, tr I figured out the <laughs> calories and it was like, there's not, there's not, I'm not, wh what the fuck is happening here? Um, yeah. I did get used to it. It did like, by the way, adding fruit, great sources of fiber, avocado, yeah. great source of fiber. Chia seeds are another one I like, which have fiber and, and, uh, omega threes, but, um, but yeah, it took me a while to to get past that, and the the eight pounds came off, and I, my stomach got used to it, and my fiber is not it's not thirty five to forty grams a day, but I'm like twenty five to thirty, which is a huge <laughs> improvement for me, you know. Yeah, that that's that's the market they recommend for is on average like to aim for twenty five to thirty. But fiber is actually one of the most underrated things on planet Earth for your health, and I think actually for most people, if you just calculated your fiber content and broke it down and left off all calories and just calculated how much fiber you're having on a day-to-day -day basis, you would likely actually end up losing weight as well. So fiber and protein, fiber, it's counted as on my fitness pal for a lot of the times it's counted as I think uh, four calories is actually two and a half. So there's less calories in it than what most calorie counting apps have or what it's on the back of things. So you'll actually lose more weight eating more fiber. And one other thing to touch on there with the, with the massive jump, like jumping from 20 grams to 45 grams as you just said that's a health seeking behavior but you've done it too quickly so it's like yeah. mess with your stomach and make you feel quite shit so it's the same when it comes to like protein intake or your calorie intake like the biggest thing I'd be, I, I get and probably a shit ton of people in the comments would be like how many calories should I eat how many calories should I eat what protein should I eat start with where you are now and either reduce to where you want to get to or increase where you want to get to you don't actually need to know a calorie number just start off with where you're at if you're overeating type all your calories in for a day or for a week of everything that you eat for today and let's try reduce that number by 100 instead of just Jumping from eating 7,000 calories a day to jumping to eating two and a half thousand because then you're going to feel fuck up, fucked up. You're going to feel shit. Same yeah. with fiber. If you're only eating five grams, you'd have been better off going to 10 and 20. But I think for a lot of people, it's like, it's not healthy if I tell Ethan to go and eat 25 grams because he wants, to, he needs to be up at 45, but it's healthier than where he is. And he's going to get to that point if we slowly increase and actually feel better doing it. So it's a, it's another big mistake that I uh, say people would feel, but fiber is for sure something. And it's that thing of, it's going to like more vegetables, more shit in your stomach is going to weigh you down heavier. Like get a bag, throw a load of vegetables into the bag and step on the scales and see how much heavier you're going to be. That way it's not right. going to change when it enters your stomach. Yeah, no, it takes a lot. Um, I, I love your, your whole message really is like, it doesn't have to be painful, you know, and it doesn't. Yeah. 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 Make it lit. Like it's, it's always going to be shit. Like to a certain extent, it's going to be shit, but make it as least as shit as part, like the smallest amount of shit per day. Like if you had to, 
if you had to like walk through fields and fields of shit, you'd probably be like, all right, let's let's like just walk through the smallest amount that we possibly can rather than trying to make a massive, massive change. And that's just, again, it sounds so simple. And it's the same like when we're here talking about like exercise for the way you feel and when you're losing weight, you're not going to really you will feel better, but it's not like that's going to automatically fix all of your problems. It's like when people who have lots of money are like, oh, being rich doesn't make you happy or this side of things. It sounds like that. But then when you get to that point, I'm fucking referring this thing from I'm still living in my mom's house here. When it comes to this side of things, it's like people don't believe that. But I promise you, over time, you'll, you'll slowly start to believe it. You slowly start to see, oh, fuck, Ethan was right that time when he said that on a podcast. The Russian was right that time he said that on a podcast. And sometimes it's hearing it from other people as well, hearing it from loads of different places until once the same message that you heard before is said in a different way or some quote is said or something is said, that clicks and then it's done. Then that's your turning point. You're always one step away from that turning point and that next point to get to where you want to be and knowing that should give you enough hope to be like holy fuck i am going to make it. i'm going to be that cockroach that just doesn't give up no sheen that's amazing thank you so <laughs> much i really appreciate thank you, you taking the time and talk to me anytime love it all right talk to you soon <laughs> see you later and now for the q a here's a question from josh hi josh Josh says, the way you speak about food addiction and weight loss speaks to my heart. Over the last year, I've lost 100 pounds myself, going from 330 to 230. Amazing. Yeah. He says, I've been lifting over the course of this past year and have slowed down weight loss to a pound a week to minimize lean tissue loss. How do you deal with the mental distress of not seeing the number on the scale change more rapidly? It's Josh. really tough, dude. Yeah, this, <laughs> yeah. is, this is the one. <laughs> By the way, you want to know what sucks even more than not changing more rapidly is when it's just done, when you're done, which, by the way, I cannot say enough how helpful maintenance has been for me practicing maintaining weight um, in between fat loss phases. So like, let's say you got 100 pounds to use to lose. Rather than going and losing all 100 straight through, take a break at 50 and maintain your weight for three months. And you want to talk about hard? That's fucking hard because you're still ostensibly dieting um, because you're not, you're, you're, you know, you're not eating whatever you want. You're, you're working very hard to maintain your weight. However, what I found is when I then got to a weight that I was happy with, it was much easier because I'd done that a number of times. I'd, I'd practiced maintaining my weight. Getting all the way down to your magical number, whatever that is, um, and then figuring out maintenance, really hard. And, uh, and slowing weight loss, really hard, especially because guys like you and I know we can do it really fast, you know. But I think um, when you factor in certain goals, like the the retention of lean tissue, um, and you get into this is a forever thing. This is this is this path has no finish line. This is not something that ends. No number on a scale tells me I'm done. The number on the scale simply tells me that what I've been doing recently and maybe indicates what I should be doing in the future or if I need to change my behavior a little bit or make adjustments. That's all that tells me. It doesn't tell me I'm finished because the minute you're finished, guess what? Here comes the weight back. Um, 
So yeah, it's really hard. It's hard for me today. And I've been maintaining my weight for years. And every time I get on the scale and it hasn't gone down, it bums me out a little bit. But I I go into it aware that that's going to happen. And then I get off the scale and I say to myself, you didn't, you were practicing maintenance. It shouldn't have gone down. It didn't gone down. This is a success. Knock off the bullshit emotional garbage that is connected to nothing. That's, that's not connected to reality. Um, so yes, if you are intentionally trying to lose a pound a week, and you're upset that you're only losing a pound a week, I understand. Get yourself through it and over the hump and disregard that nonsense as quickly as possible because it does not help at all. Yeah. Excellent advice. Excellent point. I just had like a little click. Yeah. If you're trying to see, let's say your maintenance number is, I'm just making up a number, 187. Like if that's the number, then every day getting on the scale, you should think, I want to see 187, right? If you're trying to stay and then making that a win versus, oh man, I didn't lose. But it is hard. It's it's the yeah. hardest and thing. And guess what? Guess what's even more fucked up, Paige? Hmm. 187, you get a few pounds on either side of that for fluid retention. Yeah. You know? You have a little extra salt. That's not going to add fat. Right. You have a little less salt. That's not going to reduce fat at all. But it might, you, you, you know, let's say you spend a lot of time outside sweating one day and you're excessively thirsty. So you chug a bunch of water right before bed and you don't piss it out and you get on the scale and the weight is up. It's devastating to see that fluctuation. So it's even harder than that because you got to take these metrics and then graph them over a longer period of time than a day. You know, right. y- you have a big meal one night and the scale's up five pounds. You didn't gain five pounds of fat. You did not. So, you know, it's yeah. there's a there's a lot there that goes into the kind of the hell that can be getting on the scale. You got to get like almost sociopathic with it. You got to get like, you know, take all that emotion and just become just um, like artistically logical about Mm. it, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's like, what am I expecting to see? What is acceptable? Um, And if you're outside of that and you didn't like, psych yourself up for that number, then you go like, oh my God, right. I didn't factor in that I had um, something really salty last night and that's what it is. Okay. Then figure it out quickly. And if the number is going up and up and up over time, then there's something off with your plan, you know? And if the number is not going down and down and down over time. And by the way, um, when I was trying to get super, super lean and I was in like had been dieting for a while and fully understood maintenance and everything. And I was trying to lose a pound a week and there would be three weeks in a row where I didn't lose a pound. I had to really have heart to hearts with the guy I was working with. Like, wait, I haven't lost weight. And he was like, have you been exact? Uh, I had to get talked through the fact that salt could be masking fat loss when it's, when you're trying to lose a pound a week and you're as big as I am. So there's a lot of factors there. Um, but if you're being really diligent and you are for sure in a caloric deficit, you're losing weight and 
a pound a week is perfectly fine. And again, this is for the rest of your life. This is not, you know, I hope your plan is geared long-term and then it doesn't matter if you're happy with your weight today because you're working towards that. And the day you get to the point where you're happy with your weight, if you don't continue working, you're going to lose it. It will be, it will be ethereal. It'll float right through your fingers and it'll be gone. And what's the point of all that hard work? Amazing answer. So relatable. I, yes. Thank you. Thank you for that, Josh. Thank you for your question. And if anyone else has a question for Ethan, guess what? You can just ask it write to us at hello at americanglutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.